Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hits Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradford Show. That's delicious. All right, it's time again to meet Farland Energy-powered Bradford Show from spring training. I'm Rob Bradford along with my guy, Coop. Coop, what's going on? Not much. Am I, am I allowed to yell it? Yeah. Well, hold on. What, what, is, what is exciting you the most about Red Sox spring training so far? Am I allowed to yell it, though? Can well, I say I'm gonna, it? I'm going to say. Is this a setup? Yeah. So what it, I'm asking you, what is the most exciting thing for you about Red Sox spring training so far? So far, I, it would have to be Ryan Fitzgerald, but okay, also hold on, hold Nick on. Farland. Okay, hold on. Ryan Fitzgerald. Okay. No, you're supposed to yell McFarland. McFarland. Okay. I, it's synonymous with the two. Yes, thank you, thank you. He's the poster child. He's the well, yes, he he's a, a one of many. There's a lot of good storylines, and it's actually been really fun spring training, um, because once again, I don't know if you know this, Coop, we have access, we have interviews, we have access, access is back, access and access is good, and not only for writing but for this podcast because, you know, basically, you know, I can go up, I can talk to a guy, boom, podcast. Boom, boom, boom. Relationship made. Friend, it's friends forever. And so in today's podcast, it was it's a cavalcade of stars. The three things that we're going to hit on, uh, Bobby Dahlback, which, you know, is is a very spicy interview. Um, that, and, when they, and listen, when they curse, Coop, you know it's just two guys sitting around talking, right? Just talking shop. Just, just guys talking baseball, guys being dudes. I know, and he and he also drops in how um, how zombies has helped has helped him. I appreciate. I'm glad. That. Is this going to be the un the unedited version? Yes, the unedited. Podcast. Okay, thank you. I I listened to it on the radio, and you had given me a taste beforehand. I started hearing the beeps, and I'm just not played until it's played here. So anyway, okay. With Bobby Dahlback, we're going to play that in just a minute or so, um, and I'm going to ask you for your reaction. And then uh, as we sit here at the end of the weekend, heading into the last week and a half, Garrett Whitlock has jumped to the forefront when it comes to storyline. He got to actually get a start for the first time since July 2019. He started, Rich Hill came out of the bullpen, which sent everybody into a tizzy. What is going to happen with Garrett Whitlock? What is going to happen with the Red Sox bullpen? That is another piece of the conversation we're going to have. And then we're going to punctuate it, and we're going to punctuate it hard. We're going to punctuate it with the story, what I consider still the story of camp. When, not, when you have a guy who is leading the world in spring trading home runs, leading the world in spring trading RBIs, and you're such a powerful roster that you can send him down, even though he's doing all that. That is what the Red Sox did with Ryan Fitzgerald. But Rob, I, w- I was told we were in need of an infielder who can hit. I know. Yeah, well, what's the deal i don't know i mean it's it's listen he had five hits four of them were home runs we're checking off boxes i don't know what's going on blue i, I don't know but i will say this so what i had a great so it, listen we're pouring one out i have a, i actually like i'm in my hotel room right now the only thing i have in my refrigerator coop what is, what is it drink it, of choice it's it's a one power crunch bar. It's okay. One Celsius, which okay. I'm, I'm wearing those things out. I, I mean, crazy. And a 12 pack of Corona Premier. Absolute so, living. 
Yeah. And so if I could, if I could just find a bucket and get one of the Corona premieres, I would pour one out for Ryan Fitzgerald, but instead we're going to do the tribute to young Fitzy um, by playing what I consider one young of the Fitzy young Fitzy. Well, uh, yeah. middle-aged Fitzy. Okay. Um, 27 Base, baseball, middle-aged Fitzy. Yeah. 27 could be 28 in, um, in June, but he is, I had one of what I consider one of the most interesting nerdy conversations I've had all spring about how he actually tries to hit at home runs. And you saw on Twitter, you saw it. I saw the, it with my two eyes. The contraptions, right? The contraptions that he makes. The weird hammer with, you know, like the free weights at the end of it. Right. And so. What, what you typically see in T-ball. Yes. And, yeah. and, and typically you, a guy like Jeff Fry might mock such things but you cannot come close to mocking these contraptions you know why why is that because they work if if it works don't fix it i mean the guy has more home runs than anybody in baseball i mean i know you brought up i know you brought up the coronas but what was the like a bud light uh commercial where it's like if it works it's not weird or whatever yes it's not weird if it works no no, it's four home runs in spring training. If it works, it's not weird. It works. There you go. But speaking of home runs, we're going to kick it off with uh, a guy who hits home runs. And uh, there's a lot to pick through with Bobby Dahlbeck when just two guys talking. One guy happened to be taller than the other. That's Bobby was taller than I was. Uh, but we talked a little bit about a little bit of everything. But the one thing I wanted to start off with was his personality because I do think I do think watching him that he has the he has the success in his holster from the last couple of months but I just feel like he's more comfortable like I just and you can hear it in this in this interview you can hear it I mean he took he took you by surprise at one point with what his new approach is that with the two strikes oh yeah are you kidding me yes and, and and we get to the bottom of we talk about you know the greatness of access now that we don't have to like schedule a zoom call for two weeks out. Like all I wanted to ask, if, if I could ask Bobby Dahlbeck one thing, it's the evolution of his wave from, from second or third. Right. Yeah. What would you, what would, I know this is not going to translate well on podcast form, but what would your wave be? Uh, Spur I, of the moment. You just, you just even, hit a double. You know. got to second. What's the wave? I don't know if I've ever waved. All of Fenway's looking at you. What are you going to do? You know, so I'm more of like a, like a sign? sign guy. Would you do like the Winston Churchill, like accidentally backwards or? I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, do you, would you do a wave? Is your, would you I do a wave uh, in club baseball? Shouts out GW club baseball. We would do something a little different. Uh, you might call it an elephant trunk uh, where you just kind of let it flop. Okay. Uh, that's as that's as PG thirteen as I will get with it. Okay, all right. That yeah, I don't think I would do that. I don't. No. One thing that baffles me before we get to the Dollback interview is these these uh, teams and these players. Like they go through the the introductory line and they're doing the the choreographed handshakes, and everyone has a different one. And the Red Sox do it too, right? The Reds, you see them in the in the dugout. Oh yeah, right. But I'm thinking, like, how does that work? Like, oh, it's organically. Oh, (laughs) come on. It's like, literally, you know how much time on your hands you must have to sit down and say, okay, this is what we're going to do now. 
what we're going to do is this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. Oh, wait a second. And then, you know, an hour later, they finally get it right. It, that's an hour I don't have. So I mean, you look at the I, when I think of like handshakes, who who's the first person in a Red Sox uniform that you might think of when you think of like elaborate handshakes? I think it plays into this whole I got time on my hands thing. Uh, who? I don't know. I'm thinking Manny Ramirez. Really? Yeah. When I think back, Manny Ramirez always interacting with everyone in the clubhouse in like particular ways. Okay. I'm sure there's some someone, someone out there I know for a fact has like just a highlight reel of well, like, so, Danny Ramirez, handshakes, high fives, and stuff of the sort. So when you do the broadcast, like especially we were doing the broadcast last year and we did it from Fenway and we get the feed, like the raw feed before the game. So you see these guys milling around the dugout. And it's a that's when you see it. Like not even necessarily during the game, but in the about half an hour or 15 minutes before the game, these guys going up and down doing doing these routines. It's like Oh my, like, what is happening? What is that? Happen- was the absolute, that was the absolute best part of like little league and like high school ball. Right, exactly. Just- you know what? I, I had a ton of time in little league, a ton of time. That's all I did. Exactly. I think about it wasn't going to rain. You know, it, was there going to be enough mosquito repellent for me to play that night? You know, all of that. Was Triple E a thing back then? Not, well, not to date you too much. It was Triple E a thing back then? Triple E. Oh. <laughs> nah, man. Listen, that's a whole nother. We'll do the podcast about the mosquitoes and the Essex mass marshes. Another time. Can't wait for that. Uh, all right, but, but I mean, like you talk, you talk about like handshakes and everything. That's the part that we we're on this whole escapade into baseball right, isn't baseball boring. Is boring. Yeah, no, I get it. Come on, we'll do something. You know what we should do, Coop? Honestly, we are we about have, to make a handshake? We should have people submit their best handshakes and give them a baseball isn't boring T-shirt. Okay, I was. I thought you were gonna go the route of like an official baseball isn't boring handshake. Like you see a fellow baseball isn't boring shirt wearing friend. That's a good one. We can do that as well. And by the way, I walked into the clubhouse today. No lie, no lie. And five guys, five players. Were one, wearing, two, three, four, five. They were 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 wearing their baseballs and boring T-shirts. Love that. I mean, who, who was it? Give me names. Give me names. Today it was, well, Kike has been wearing it out. Every morning Kike wears his to like work out. Does he just have one or does he wear it every, does no, he wash it at all? Because they wash right. it for him. Um, uh, today, Derek Holland was a newbie. Uh, Tanner Houck was wearing his. Matt Barnes was wearing his. I saw J.D. Martinez. I think he had it on his chair. Um, who else? Dahlback was another. So, but that is, it's, we said it before, it's the magic of the t-shirts. It's a lethal combination of, it's a good t-shirt, swing juice, props to swing juice. Shout um, out to swing juice. But it's a good t-shirt. So that's where you have to start. They're not going to wear it unless it's a good t-shirt. And then I think they like to like be walking around with that message. Like I think they take- It's a good message. A good message. If they, I mean, it's probably right next to world peace, right? Club. Probably the next best thing to have on a shirt. If we can only get instead of that that um, army green T-shirt that Zelensky wears, can we get him to wear a baseball isn't boring? Can you Photoshop a baseball isn't? What are you baseball insider? Maybe Congress, Congress will take him more seriously if he's wearing a baseball isn't boring shirt. <laughs> See, wouldn't that be great? That'd be so good. Can someone do that? World peace. Someone who's listening to this podcast, can someone please Photoshop a? A baseball isn't boring t-shirt on, on Zol- our good friend Zelensky. 
Um, all right. Anyway, let's get to it. There's a lot to get to. So let's start off with the Bobby Dahlback interview. Talk to you a little bit about how much more comfortable maybe even you feel now. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say I, I was more comfortable than maybe most rookies just because my first couple of years in Major League Camp, I, I had PD, JD, and Ben Attendee playing video games with him every single day. Like after after the games, every single day, I'd I'd be backing up the games, and I have a text in the third inning. PD said, "Where are you at? Why aren't you on yet?" And he's just like trying to play Call of Duty Warzone. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm fucking backing your, I'm backing you up, dude. Like, what do you think? You get two and out, and I'm fucking grinding. I'm sweating my ass off still. And, uh, and JD too. So us us four just play zombies all day. They're like six six and a half seven hours a day after after games. Um, so I got comfortable with them. Uh, I think that kind of. Helped me out because PD definitely was definitely the most polarizing, um, char- like character in the clubhouse. Where like you, if he likes you, he likes you. If you don't, you don't. But he yeah, probably yeah. likes everybody. He just makes you know, he just fucks with people yeah, all the time. Yeah. So um, he made me feel comfortable and at home. I would say from the start. But um, and that definitely was- being like once you're playing up there, it's a little bit different. You don't want to be too loud. And so I'm not really a loud personality. I'm more of like a fun, sure, sure, happy-go-lucky. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, you know it was awesome. Our, our any, I feel like any clubhouse that like Kike's in, it's 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 tough to not be yourself because he like it's a very welcoming environment, you know. Yeah, I get the sense like so 2020 before you guys got sent home, yeah. it's a lot different than 2021. Mm-hmm. Like I because you took guys out. I mean, you took guys out like a lot of personalities at the clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Then like you said, you get Kike in here 2021. Mm-hmm. Now you're in here, yeah. so probably was a little bit different. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I, I worked, Kiki and I hit together pretty much every day um, for the last couple months of the off season. So I got to know him even more, um, which is hard because I feel like he, everything, he wears everything on his chest, you know. Um, but he's, a, he's the man. I know everyone in our clubhouse, you know, there's no bad seeds. There's no bad seeds last year. Like, uh, I don't even think so the year before. It's just a. You know, it was just quite, it wasn't a bad seed. It was just quite, you know, yeah, different personalities. Different, different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Every year's going to be different, but everyone, you know, everybody's different. So it's, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was fun. It's fun. It's going to be fun, you know, every year. I feel well, like. When, so when you get, but then now you're a major league, now you're a major leaguer, you're playing and, and, you know, and you want to produce. And, you know, this is another thing where it's like when you're going good, it's easy to be a personality. Mm-hmm. I, Mike Napoli said this to me, right? Yeah. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, if I'm hitting this, like, I'm not going to be like, here, yeah. you should do this or I'm going to do this. So yeah. it, I would imagine for you, I mean, you have to worry about yourself. Yeah. And, and, and maybe thinking, okay, the personality is going to come yeah. whenever I feel more secure about my lot in life. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, I know, I, and I've been bad at it. Is you know, I've been. I thought I got better at it towards the end of the year. Um, the first half of the year last year, if I wasn't doing good, I was definitely. I definitely had a different demeanor, mm-hmm. and I would say. And um, you know, I started to realize that uh, halfway through the year. So I started to be good at you know, like being the same dude every day, like being just being myself every day, regardless of how I, of what the results are. Like after the game, um, definitely you know, uh, will you know process the game, good or bad, and then just try to you know flush it, turn the page, and. Uh, you know, just be myself instead of like, carrying it into, you know, once it leaves the field, it needs to leave. You know, the bad stuff needs to leave once I leave the field. When did that click? Do you remember? Um, I know. I, I don't know if it was a, like. I think I think I've done it. I think I do it a lot. I've done it like every year in yeah. minor leagues. Like once, like I'm going good. I'm like, oh, like I, oh fuck, <laughs> like, and it's like I remember every year. So now I'm trying to be good at remembering the stuff that like keeps me consistent, not just necessarily hitting wise or any, or defense, just like my overall like uh, state of mind you know just keep that consistent so was it awkward waving for the first time in 
No, waving. You get to third, and you oh, waved. This one? Yeah. Um, it was weird. I do the weird one. I do. Like oh. the, I, do like the I felt like I said this. I do the Princess Diana. I, I felt like that. Listen, I I don't think I've ever waved ever. Yeah. I felt like that might have literally been the first time in your life you waved. Wave. Yeah, I always go here or rock on, and I never <laughs> yeah, go here. So yeah, maybe yeah. this year. Well, yeah. Renfro would do that last yeah. year yeah. for this one. Yeah, but yeah. I'll, I'll probably we'll, we'll figure something. But out but something. that's but that I mean to me that's like a sort of microcosm of the sort of the evolution, right? Yeah. It's like the first time you did it was like, you know, it's like, hey, and then it's like this, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, two yeah, hands, yeah, right, and it right, every time. Right. I mean, yeah. look at but again to look back and to look back and see. That's a small thing. But look back and see like how far you've come in that respect. Yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, my waves were a lot less timid towards the end of the year. So. <laughs> um, but you know, that, but that's 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 like it's the same. It all ties in together. Like yeah, you know, if I hit if somebody hits their first double and they're like oh like you know like fucking let it rip like yeah. let's have a good wave or something like that. Yeah, we'll yeah. figure we'll find something will be fun here. Right. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I just, I just, it, it makes me happy that you know it's tough, man. Like you're when you're, you know, people have personalities. It's a tough situation. It's just like not only just unlike a reporter, right? When you walk in, yeah. and you're like on eggshells, then you just say, hey, every everyone's human beings. Yeah, and then you get PD saying, hey, who the fuck are you? <laughs> yeah, you know, that's yeah, what, yeah, that's how you get broken in. Well, you know? yes, we went through that. Yeah, <laughs> it probably helps you guys because like then you don't you get the fucking most awkward thing out of the way PD yelling at you yeah well and then you're like oh, well then and then what you realize and I came to realize I, I considered him my guess a friend was yeah. like like say listen I can talk shit back to him and yeah. he's ex- like he loves here it. we go yeah. like you know so it's but it's it's just and it probably makes your job easier right here like yeah you had a great spring training last year I don't have to predict your home run every year, yeah. every time yeah. now, because I, I said at the broadcast, I said, we're not going to do this anymore because I am just, it's just going to be assumed that I'm predicting a home run for Bobby <laughs> yeah. Duffett. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I mean, so let's just get this out of the way. Yeah. So, but you know, going through last year's spring training, that's great. You have a spring training, but now as you sit here, you probably feel like, okay, you know what? Dude, I'm not trying. I don't have to impress anybody. Yeah. I can, I can do my thing. I have like, I have success on the major league level under my belt, and I mean, yeah. it just must be a lot different. Yeah, I mean, I, my mentality right now, but like, uh, you guys probably seen it with my two strike thing I'm doing, you know, spreading out. Yeah, I'm just trying to be like have that mentality of being a tough out because I know that that can wear on a, a staff and pitchers. And if I'm the, you know, last year for most of the time I was probably the weak link. I was the easiest out in that lineup for a while, which um, which isn't a good feeling to have. So like I'm really trying to, you know, and it's not like I'm trying hard or anything. I'm just trying to be smarter and know I don't have to do too much and you know like I don't have to hit. I don't have to feel like I have to hit a homer every game or hit some 118 miles an hour every game. I can base hits the other way or good. Like I want to be the guy that can, you know, hit one you know, 400 feet dead center and then, you know, sit on an off-speed pitch and slap it down the right field line for a double. You know, I, I mean, it's the type of player I, I've always envisioned myself as, and now I'm just trying to be better at remembering to do all the things that unlock that type of player instead of just the, um, you know, last year's two true outcomes, a punch out or a homer instead of the walks. But, you know, I think that'll add. You know, I'll just I'll just want to continue to get a little bit better at that stuff every day. And it's not like mechanical, get better. It's uh, get better at 
remembering to do what works, and that's where my consistency lies. Instead of having, yeah, and you had a lot of things that work. So that's yeah. I mean, like yeah. you have, I'm being serious. Yeah. Like you actually have a lot of things in your holster, memories in your holster. Yeah. Those last two months, mm-hmm. like okay, yeah. here we go. Yeah, I, you know, I, can re- I realize it. You know, I, whenever I try to do, t- whenever I try to hit something hard. I might hit it hard. It's not going to be how I want to hit it hard. You know, it'll be hook foul, or I'll be a little bit later under it. You know, I just want to have nice barrel accuracy, swing command, and good vision. And that's what those are kind of my things this year. Just you know, timing, vision, barrel accuracy, and swing command. I have a confession. I didn't notice you were spreading out with two out two strikes. So this is, thank you. Yep. Um, did you did you? So this is what you've been doing this spring. Um, yeah, I've been kind of more so than last year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I'm not taking my foot off the ground with two strikes. What I'm saying, I'm okay. cutting out the leg kick. Kind of, I mean, similar to what Bo Bichette does, I would say. Obviously, a different style. He's, um, you know, he's got a lot. You know, I've a lot longer limbs, so I well, my should have to be a little bit tight, tightened up. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, just trying to be more consistent with that, and I think that's something. If I can take the, the. Um, you know the timing part out of it with two strikes and just trust my eyes and my barrel and my hands and you know let my lower body work for itself you know early in the count you know i'm trying to do damage and i'm trying to hunt, hunt a pitch and you know and hunt mistakes and then two strikes you know i'm just trying to you know, foul stuff off and be a professional more professional and complete hitter had you ever done that before uh in, in college i did but i was kind of we, you know, in college you feel like you're handcuffed into doing that kind of stuff yeah but you know that's I wish I would have kept doing it it would have been huge well I would imagine you're like thinking hey if I do this I'm not going to be able to do what I'm known for mm-hmm. which is hit home runs yeah you know, I'm, so there's that insecurity with it. You know, I'll still hit home runs spread out with no strikes. Well, that's what you come to realize, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've seen you to crap out of the ball down here. I would imagine some of those with were with two strikes, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. definitely. You know, I'm, and I've you know, I trained the high pitch a lot this year too, uh, or this off season, you know, high spin, high velo. So I feel comfortable attacking the top of the zone, not feeling like if a guy's swinging it there that I can't swing at it. Because last year I felt like I couldn't swing at it because my swing and my brain weren't in a spot to do damage or, uh, you know, square those balls up. And I know I just tried to train, train that this off season. How did you do that? High ride, bottom wheel, velo machine, and just, um, it, it, was, it wasn't a swing thing. It's just training your eyes. For me, it was training my eyes. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So was it? So it wasn't like okay, you know, I'm not uppercutting, or I'm not, I'm, or my bat speed isn't what it, it's really just like getting the eyes at the level that it needs to be. Um, yeah, you know, I talked to Josh Donaldson when he, he had a base hit or a walk last year, and I was like, hey, what do you like? He's been, he's hit, you know, he's been successful in the sinker ball kind of where this stuff wasn't really, you know, a big, like people had it, but it wasn't focused on, and now he, and he can hit that stuff too, and. His swing has never really changed. Like he still has the same moves, and he hasn't had to tighten anything up. Yeah. So I'm like, "What do you do for that?" And he goes, "Well, I I feel like I just have to adjust my eyes so they'll feel like they're on top of the ball instead of I'm wor- working from under it." You know, like, this comes down to the old school saying, "Fix your eyes, fix your swing." So that's kind of that's wild. Yeah, something I took from him that stuck with me this year. So whenever you know if I'm fouling that off, I'm not going to try to get on top of it. I'm just going to you know adjust my angle so I can so I can see the top of the ball. Do you change your I mean maybe I'm overthinking this do you change your head position? No there's definitely some pitchers you know if they don't have a ton of ride you can kind of get away with a little bit more angle this way and some guys like um, who's going like uh, like Chad Green he's got great great vertical yeah. so like guys like him you know I, I need to I need to be on top beat, you know, a little more upright posture-wise, so I can take the same swing just from a different 
angle. Is there in spring training? I know it's spring training, but is there has there been like a, a bad or a moment where you're like, okay, because it's all good and well to do it off season, backfields, mm-hmm. whatever. But like, okay, this is this is working. Um, yeah, you know, I think that ground, that hard ground ball double play the other day mm-hmm. that I hit into. That was a good example. Like, it wasn't at the top of the zone, but that guy had, you know, decent spin rate, and it was a 2-1 count, and I didn't foul it straight back or miss it. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I, I barreled it. Yeah, I was on the ground double play, but I'll take that over fouling it back, you know. Who was that against? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. But I'll look it up. You know up. what I'm saying? Like, obviously, yeah, yeah. I, don't hit in a, I don't think double plays are better than foul balls, but, no. like, the fact that it's spring and I'm, you know, not feeling I have to do too much to get on top of that. Was two strikes? No, it's two one. Oh, count. Okay, two one. But count. like, but it's me. Not I know I'm not selling out to launch. Yeah, launch yeah. Shit. Um, and I've just been off the ball a little bit the last few games. But that's just a, that's just a head down and contact thing. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, you know, I'm just trying to be more consistent. You know, with barreling pitches early in the count. You know, if I barrel a ball, you know, that's a win for me. I, I can't control where it goes technically, but you know, I'm not that good. I'm not like Ichiro. <laughs> last question. Tell me something you would change in baseball. Um, I don't know. I like the pure. I like pure baseball. You do? Yeah. yeah. Are you, how about shifts? Um, I think. I, I mean, there's. It makes sense to do it. Obviously, it takes a lot of hits yeah, away. Yeah, but they're going away. I know. I know. Um, you know, I think. I don't know. I, I don't know if it'll necessarily change how people pitch. Yeah. Well, that's that's to be to, to be determined, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot, a few hits I've, balls I've hit up the middle that have been right at somebody that, yeah. you know, nothing I can Well, congratulations, they're going away. Exactly, go. exactly. All right, you've been very generous with your time. Yeah. I'll let you go. We covered a lot. I feel like uh, we, we, we corrected a lot of things in the world. Okay. All right, Coop. Takeaways, what do you got? Takeaways is the two-swing approach. I mean, we, we, when we had Rich Hill on the show, and Rich Hill is – probably one of the smartest guys in that dugout. And I could listen to the guys talk like actual shop about baseball forever. And when Bobby starts breaking down his two swing approach now and what he's doing compared to last year and how, you know, what he did last year got him into trouble. And he recognized that. And I think any Red Sox fan, any baseball fan in general who roots for a team, they want to hear how their players are improving in the off season, especially when you had an off season where everything was put on halt. So to hear that a guy is improving and that he's actively trying to make himself a better ball player to help the team get to the next level, amazing. What more could you ask for next to the zombie talk? But A signature moment in that interview was me making the decision whether or not to admit that I had no idea what he was talking about. Oh, you just rolled with it. That was good. That's, hey, professional. That's Big J. I mean, you, you have to be confident in your own skin. And when he said, you know, as you guys have seen, my, I've oh yeah okay. of course of course robert <laughs> of course and like no you don't you don't understand you don't understand how spring training works although doing the broadcast i say this so usually when you're covering spring training as a writer you do not see innings six through nine it's all up that most of the time you don't see innings five through nine because you go down the clubhouse you interview someone and then you're writing and you don't look up when you're doing the broadcast, like I'll come down and like, oh my goodness, could you believe that uh, Christian Stewart uh, swing uh, in the eighth inning? And they're like, what are you talking about? But I did not notice the Bobby Dahlback uh, change in approach. Although now that he said it, this is the fun thing about this podcast, this interview, this great game of baseball, is that 
today I watched it. There it and, was. There it was. Eh. Hands dropped a little lower. Waiting. Oh, definitely more spread out. The biggest yep. leg, no leg kick. I mean, you realize like he has the leg kick and then the leg kick disappears with two strikes. So that was something in I'm I'm no professional baseball player. I know like I did not even sniff the draft. Uh, but that's something that they've already like they've started teaching is you know making sure you don't kick that leg that you kind of keep it down and you restrict that motion yeah, a little guys, bit. It goes all over the place. Like exactly every like every guy is different, and you're just trying to figure out like what's the best approach. So you see that ball coming in and you time it do, up. Like it, it's like a guy will go no leg kick, leg kick, no leg kick, no leg kick. Benintendi was a perfect example of this. Like he had the leg kick. It's it's there is you can't just just flat out say take this away with two strikes and it works because for some guys they need the timing. So yeah. anyway, uh, and then the eye level, like oh no, here's one. Before uh, well, I should I should defer to you. What's your secondary takeaway? Anything? Secondary takeaway is the just the Pedroia story. I mean I'm. I'm a Pedroia nut. I love Dust Pedroia. So to hear like like Bobby come in and be like, yeah, like I got the same treatment as anyone else would from Dust Pedroia. And what that tells me is that all these narratives that a lot of people, not a lot of people, but there were some people that said like Dust Pedroia was a bad teammate. Who said that? Oh, with the with the price thing. And- yeah. Or that he was getting no, I don't know if it was the price thing, but it was him getting tossed under the bus during the whole oh, Manny Machado yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. There was a whole story behind that. We, we don't have time and, to go into it now. Was yeah, it, and people blew that out of proportion, but just like the fact of how integral like Dustin Pedroia was all the way up until he left that team. And I don't know if he's still talking with those guys. I would imagine he still chats with Cora, but oh, it's yeah. just like Yeah, well, he texted whatever, Trevor's story. But how about the two things? Number one. The guest that we have on later in the podcast, Ryan Fitzgerald, has the story that we've heard a couple times now. Yep. About Pedroia, like him lacing Pedroia's glove and Pedroia leaving $200 in his locker, which is, you know, you didn't have to do that. And number two, video game for seven hours. Seven hours. You brought up my other point is if if JD, because he mentioned JD in that whole that whole no thing JD played video games i had no idea i so i during that whole 2018 craze of Fortnite, i know that like everyone was in on that eddie i think was a little bit more than other guys price price was a guy that was in on that i think he was he the one that got carpal tunnel syndrome yeah, so, from so what was funny about that was so they all had the Fortnite things in their locker right the the, the portable uh the games right screens like we could see the screens like they were all facing out they all had it set up and and so they took so price gets the carpal tunnel right and so everything as with price it's like very polarizing so they take the so they take the obviously he was a huge huge part of the whole Fortnite thing they take that out of his locker but we could see we could see just standing around the clubhouse his username on other other members of the team so he was logging into other guys getting his fix yeah so but anyway, listen, whatever gets you through, he, and Bobby Dahlbeck felt accepted because of the video game, so there you go. I mean, there there are far worse vices out there. So if he if he wants to, you know, let his eyes bleed playing video games, then you know what? He's more like me. <laughs> uh, and how about speaking of eyes bleeding, how about the, like, how he's catching up to high fastballs this year, which isn't like hand adjustment, you know, body adjustment, swing adjustment. 
but it's eye adjustment. It's it's literally if you look at the background, if anyone sees this video, it's it's like his eyes to adjust to the high fastballs, like the eyes in my logo. <laughs> like, that's so that's a scary look. Yeah, that's a scary I, look. But I, that's the thing, like especially with in. I think now it's going to be a little different, especially with pitchers not having any substance and the MLB supposedly tracking down on this a little bit more is the spin rates going to go down. And I think recognizing pitches that are like high rotation compared to others now is probably going to be a little bit more difficult. I mean, you're still going to be able to see the break in the ball and guys are going to be able to pick it up. But I mean, Bobby focusing on that aspect of the game and like, trying to figure out, Hey, if a ball is going to break late, if it's going to break early, is it going to be down by my knees? Is it going to be up at my eyes by the time that it crosses that plate to hear that he's working on that? It's just like that two strike approach is something that you want to hear as a fan. Well, and how about the other part of that, which was who we talked to, to, to sort of go down this path of how to adjust like, Oh, well, I was talking, I was Josh Donaldson was at first base. So I was talking about this. Like that's it's the, it's the first baseman thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's the same thing. I said this before. It's like he – Bobby Dahlbeck also takes BP a lot of times with Aaron Judge's bat because he had a conversation with Aaron Judge. And Aaron Judge gave him his bat. He liked swinging a heavier bat. So, like, all of this is this Bobby Dahlbeck – It's picking up what works for other people and seeing if it works yeah, for yourself. Clearly an inquisitive guy. All right. Good Bobby Dahlbeck All right, so now we move on to the story of the day as we sit here, Garrett Whitlock. um, Garrett Whitlock, and this is what Garrett Whitlock said when asked the time-honored tradition of which would you rather do, start or relief? You're just going with the flow here, pretty much. Hey, I do whatever they tell me to do. Like I told Will and like I told all y'all, I'll be the janitor on this team if it means I get to stay in the big leagues, so. No, I'm just happy to be here. He's never going to give you a straight answer on it. Never, never, never. So um, I'm torn on this, Coop. I'm torn. And this could change. We're going to find out in the coming days exactly what's what. But, like, I think everyone wants is intrigued by Garrett Whitlock starting for obvious reasons because, you know, a dominant starting pitcher is still a dominant starting pitcher. And this guy, every time he pitches, seems like he's dominant and seems like as, as much as we say, well, in this world of baseball, it's great to have a two or three inning guy. That's just invaluable. But still, you know, you want Scherzer, you want these guys, you want. So I mean, you want the big guns up there because it's fun to watch. Yes. I have the Garrett Whitlock ticket, right? And th- when you say I have the Garrett Whitlock ticket, you can't say that if he's pitching the seventh inning. No. But Coop, but is he needed there? Where is he needed? It, That's the thing. Th- this bullpen, as I sit here right now, just a few feet from my Corona premieres, is this bull? This bullpen is very, very uncertain. Very uncertain. Like, yeah. and that's being kind. So my point is, like, you have guys who have potential. Matt Barnes looks good, fine. You know, Brian Brian Brazier has a track record. Um, you know, Jake Diekman has a track record. You know, Matt um, uh, Strom, who, by the way, is coming on this podcast this week. Very Oh, little teaser. little yeah, teaser oh, yeah, for the yeah. folks. Oh, he's going to be good, too. He's, he's, he might be a regular. Have he's, you gone to talk to him much since oh, he's arrived? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, too. Right. 
YouTube, the workout, the whole deal, like the hair, everything. He's a card guy, right? Yeah, he has a, he has a YouTube show on open yeah. baseball cards. Yeah, exactly. So what I'm going to try to do is when we sit down, I'll just try to say, hey, do you have a laptop? And we'll just like, we'll zoom everybody in together and you can open some cards. and, and Oh, that would be, I, I would run down to my local Target right away for that. That's okay. something I'm trying to get more into is baseball oh, there, cards. There you go. So um, you have all this potential, but you don't have certainty. And Whitlock is the certainty in the bullpen, right? So you're taking, if you take that out by putting him in the starting rotation, it leaves you very uncomfortable. Now, caveat, there's still a week and a half left. I mean, all of this could be like dramatically different in four days. What are you trying to say there, Rob? What are you trying to say? Baseball isn't boring. No. Is there going to be a trade? Uh, There has to be. There has to be. I feel like there has to Sourmore, so Sourmore has been a mess, right? Yeah. And he, he was sort of counted on. Um, now, the bizarre thing, like, I can't tell you how much Cora talked up Darwin's and Hernandez this morning. I, I'm just like, Cora knows more than I do, obviously. But the guy that I saw, I'm like, are we talking about the same picture that I saw two days ago? Do you think it's like a Eddie type thing? Like he's just like I, I'm hoping he's making. Or what's what was the term he always used for Eddie? He's turning the corner. It was weird because he was pretty pointed the other day about Brazier, about like, hey, his velocity's down. He better get his velocity up or else. That sort of thing. Uh, and then with Darwin's in, it was like, oh man, stuff was so good. You know, when he was throwing strikes, he was just getting some hits. Like uh, he wasn't throwing strikes. I, I didn't see him throw strikes. I saw a guy who was trying to throw it over the plate and he couldn't do it. When So when Corey is saying that, do you think he's looking at like something like, is he getting information from the analytics department that the Red Sox have that they're like, I Hey, I mean, his... I, yeah, they, they, yeah, probably. I mean, I'm the one part I'm not going to refute is that his stuff is really good. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. But as a scout said to me, he's like Darwin's and Hernandez. It's unfair to Darwin's in because I think he's a good guy and a good can be a good pitcher. But he's like, that's the type of guy that can get a manager fired. He's not getting Alice Cora fired, but the point is well taken. That you fall in love with this guy, and, and we have for the last couple of years, he's going to be your eighth inning guy. He's going to be your weapon. And at times he has been, but the guy that I saw, like, and he just falls in with these, this other, this whole narrative. You don't know what you have. You yeah. Don't know what you yeah. Have. And, he, and I think over the past year, he kind of gets lumped year or two really he gets lumped into that whole like the Red Sox bullpen hasn't been what it has been even in 2018 there were questions around it right and I think that's just kind of been the like all offseason everyone has said like I want a bat I want a bat I want a bat I've been wanting some type of arm in the bullpen for a while now just because that continuously has been the issue for the Red Sox and so like a guy like so Jake Deakman is basically I, the way that I put it he's like Adam Adovino like completely different pitcher but same idea right Veteran guy can pitch the eighth inning, you know, can probably close once in a while. But as we like this, unfortunately for relievers, this whole race against time spring training, put that on the bumper stickers, you know, race against time spring training. It's like, it's not conducive to easing into anything. And as you know, so Jake Deakman walks three guys, couldn't even get three outs. Well, the problem is that what you have three more outings, you know, you get three outings this week and then you're in, into like a couple of days before opening day. And, you know, so that's the unfortunate thing, but 
you know, I, they're not the only team to go through this. And I just would like for Whitlock, you know, boy, man, he is such an important guy. I, I, I like, I really do want to, I would love to see him on like starting on the bump, like you said, cause that sells tickets. But as far as getting us wins, especially early in April, I, I think it's necessary to have him in the bullpen. Okay. So you're on record saying you want him in the bullpen. Put me on record. I like, I don't shoot me. I don't care. Like I would rather get wins in April than, you know, get a flashy five inning start out of him. All right. I'm going to pull that clip and put it on Twitter. Go for it. Old takes expose me in like August or something. Um, by the way, a behind the scenes moment from today's Red Sox coverage at spring training. So okay. I'm, I'm walking to my car and there's uh, the cars are sort of parked in a lot. Uh, there's a back, one of the backfields, the fence is about, I don't know, 200 yards away from the parking lot. So there's some baseballs and one of the attendants said, Hey, you want to get a baseball? I'm like, yeah, I'm always up for free stuff because they've been hitting the baseballs in, into this little area. So I, I'm walking over and then, um, and there was, and for some reason, Cora was out all by himself shagging in the outfield. Right. So he sees me and I'm like, yeah, like, what are you doing? I'm like, embarrassing. Like, ah, I'm going to get some free baseballs. And I went over and talked to him. And then this other guy comes over with his, his son who's running around trying to chase fly balls. And uh, turns out that the guy is uh, Garrett Whitlock's friend. So he's, he's a car dealer from Alabama who Garrett Whitlock worked, his, worked at his dealership all throughout college and through the minor leagues. So, really? Oh, yeah. So, so, oh, well. And he pitched for the Red Sox, single A, really nice guy, like, with his with his young son it was cool and um he's like yeah you know i pitched i, I wasn't very good but the first batter i faced as a professional was ricky williams remember the running back you know ricky williams you know wow, wow. yeah yeah so anyway super guy so Cora's like sort of around us so we're talking back and forth and so cora hears like the whole whitlock story and so he's like yeah rob Great. There's your story. There's your story. He's facing us. He starts facing us. All of a sudden, boom, he gets drilled in the side with a Kike Hernandez fly ball. Cora, Cora or the guy did? Cora. You just brush it off? or did, I mean, No. Like, no. I mean, I was honestly concerned about it. Is, is this for sticking him in center field for Trevor's story? What's the deal? I, but – I mean, there was nobody else in the outfield. He was the only one there, and he was distracted by this conversation. I felt so bad. The guy felt so bad. But and, – and, and the guy was like – he clearly knew anatomy because he's like, it didn't hit you in the kidney, did it? Because that's bad if it hits you in the kidney. And, and like, he's like, it might have. It might have. There's I'm no – way. this guy just like – he sees anyone get hit, and he just drops that line every time because he knows well, it's like – it's well, probably a helpful thing, and people like well, yourself listen, look at it as helpful. Well, listen, I mean – but like he's like got hit. I'm sure like I asked, I said, Cor, when's the last time you got hit by a pitch? It's like 2010. But you get drilled by pitches, but this must have hit him just right because he was in pain, right? How deep how deep in the outfield are we? I mean, by the warning track. <laughs> That's pretty good for Kike. I'm not gonna lie. I'm excited to hear that. That's your takeaway. Uh, Cora's kidney, but that's your takeaway from I don't think yes. he was aiming, I don't think Kike was aiming for for Cora's kidney. 
You know, so so it, it, yeah, but he's hitting liners all the way to the warning track. I love to hear well, that. Well, here's a newsflash: he hit a home run yesterday. He hit even beyond the fence. It's not like the fences are 500 feet away in this practice field. Like you're like, I gotta be honest, you hit a fly ball to center field. That's pretty impressive. What are you talking about? I all right, you said fly ball. I thought you said liner. To be completely honest, no, no. no. There's the like, miscommunication what, whatever, there. Whatever it was, it hurt. Like it hurt. Right, I do feel bad for Cora, but if I if I hear Kike is doing something good, Jeez. come on. That's your takeaway. You're so you're so laser focused on. You this. play to win the game. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. I, so if Cora is not available tomorrow, then we know that it was because his kidney uh, his kidney function. Rub some dirt on it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there there you go. That was a. Uh, it all ties together. Garrett, Whit- you are on record about Garrett Whitlock. The other big news of the day was as we're driving away, I'm driving away from doing my uh, very economical Bradfoe show appearance on WEI. By that, I mean like 40 minutes. Like where- Hey, Saturdays and Sundays. Don't sell yourself short there. Sunday's a legit show. This was like, you got NCAA at five and I was by myself. I told you, you know, don't don't force it. It's, I just let me get it through it. And and I, it was just what it, whatever. It was something that, like, we were going to pretend never happened. You're being so, bashful. It happened. It happened. Your voice oh, was out there. Yeah. You're promoting baseball. Well, I, like, I like to have memorable moments every time we do something. Like, yesterday I thought was a good show. We had Chris Hatfield, a Sox prospect, on, right? He Great was, show. Oh, right? I think, I, like, he, he was – like that's people love that stuff, don't they? Or I mean, I mean, you talk about a team that's been focused on rebuilding their their farm system. That's a perfect time to bring someone in. He, if you don't follow Sox prospect on Twitter, oh. first of all, follow BB isn't boring. Bingo, follow Sox prospect because you're going to be in for a good time this and season then, if you're following. And then, and then, of course, because we're we're we drive the conversation. Nesson had him on today, so nice. Uh, um, but I'm driving away, and they're boom on the phone transaction red sox send down these players and among those players is one ryan fitzgerald so ryan fitzgerald who has been a joy to talk to in camp and so before we get to uh your your you go to the fridge and get your colt 45 and pouring one out for ryan let let me play this let me play this interview i did with Ryan Fitzgerald. It's not your average ordinary, hey, you know, I did already did that with him, like the path and the independent league and all that. This was literally like you have more home runs than anybody else in baseball. You weigh 185 pounds. How is this happening? Give me the science behind it. And boy, he didn't disappoint. Listen to this. So you know, when, when a lot, probably in your life, a guy sees like, oh, he's in a middle infielder. He's like, he has to like keep the ball on ground. Talk a little bit about when that sort of revelation or when that happened. Yeah. Um, I kind of tinkered with it a little bit in college. Uh, my junior year, I kind of started to somewhat try to hit the ball in the air, you know, back at the school I went to, it was all about hit the ball on the ground, hit the ball the other way. Um, and I believed it. And, you know, I think that was detrimental to my career for sure. Um, and then once once I got into indie ball, um, there's no more rules. You know, it's you're you're on your own and everything's on you, and, and no one's really going to tell you what to do. And um, 
you know, it's like when you got nothing to lose, it's like I got to go up to the plate and try to hit a home run every time. So, like, you start kind of learning how to do that and, and what that feels like. And, um, like, my first home run I hit in any ball was, like, this, like, massive bat, like, Jim Tomei model, like, huge barrel. Like, probably shouldn't have been swinging it, but, like, if I hit it, it was going to go. It's just a matter of hitting it enough. Um, so, obviously, I've kind of, like, really fine-tuned that and figured out which model, what model works and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like learning, learning like how to do it as opposed to just like, hey, I'm gonna try to do it. And like understanding like how to actually achieve that is like completely different. But I think it's a process a lot of guys don't go through soon enough in their careers. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to start figuring it out when I was you know 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously later than you know some of the guys we got in here were you know 18, 19, 20. Mm, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think I caught it kind of right at the at the right time. Um, you know, if I learned it you know a year later, I don't think I'd be here. When did it start? It's one thing to try it, and then you learn about it. When did it truly click for you? Yeah, um, I mean, I hit. I think I had like eight bombs in indie ball, um, so I knew I was like, okay, it's in there. But like, how can I consistently get it? Um, and then the Red Sox picked me up in eighteen, and uh, same thing. I think I hit like another like eight or nine, and I was like, okay, like I'm starting to get a feel for it. Um, I had, I used to hit with my hands down low, actually, kind of like the way Duran hits, mm-hmm. um, and I felt that that was like a good spot for me to actually learn to get the barrel back deeper and start launching balls. Um, and then 2019, I played in Salem, which is a, a graveyard. They got you know 35 foot wall like, all the way around. Mm-hmm. And I, I only ended up hitting three there, but. Uh, I would say coming into 2020 was when I was like, okay, like this, this works. Like I had trained it for it all off season. You know, I had all the numbers on it, and you know, I knew that my angles and my bat and my bat speed and the force I was putting into the ground was, you know, comparable to some of the elite hitters that are in the game today. And I was like, okay, like I, if I can produce that, like I should be able to do it on the field now. Um, obviously, COVID hit. Um, we didn't get, to, I didn't get to play. Um, but I got a whole, you know, year to just train again, which was like really cool for me because you don't have to worry about, you know, playing the next day. You could just burn it out for a whole day. And right. Doing that for a whole year was like huge for me. Um, I started training with another guy this offseason, Bill Miller. Who, I mean, I got I got all my tools in here that he, I got this from him. The so former like, Major League Bill Miller? No, no, oh, no. This is my trainer back home. But oh, you know, look I, at that! I throw this thing around the cage hard as I can, fast as I can. Have you ever seen anything like that? No. It's supposed to, like, replace a med ball throw. Okay. It's obviously with a bat handle, so, like, it's more applicable to baseball. Yeah, yeah. Um, But uh, we would measure speeds and how fast I could throw it, and we could take the weights off and do overload, underload, stuff with it. So, like, this, I mean, as simple as it is, like, this has been a big training piece for me. Mm. Um, I got another cool one here that I use. Crane scale. I, I build all my own stuff, as as you can see. But like, I got this from Amazon, and I, I bought the carabiners for it, and had my dad saw a little bat handle and put an O-ring in there. And um, this is another thing that I, I prep with before I hit. Um, not not as conventional as, as what most is people. This? So like, it'll me- it'll measure the poundage that I I can pull. So I'll hook this up to like a pole or something that's not going to move. Mm-hmm. Um, then turn it on, and then I can get into like a hitting position and, okay. and see what my numbers are. So, in a way, like I can kind of track where my body's at too, um, like my central nervous system and how things are firing. So like, if that number's low, I can probably need some do something to recover better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if, obviously if it's high, it's great. You know, I'm kind of right where I need to be. And, 
Um, obviously, we've got like blast motions on the bats and stuff like that. And we're yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So you really like geeking it out? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I always go in and check what like launch angles and exit velos are yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And I wish we had some force plates because that would be really cool to see kind of like what force numbers you're getting into the ground. And, and I mean, you can measure it really. You know, when people start going bad in season, you know, bodies get tired and stuff. When did you start getting into that stuff? Uh, Twenty, like end of 2017. Okay. Um, I met like, a guy, Devin DeYoung, who was also an indie ball coach. He's now with the White Sox. He was actually with us for a year in 20. 19 and then he went to the White Sox um, and he introduced me to another guy Ryan Johansson who's also with the White Sox so I worked with both of them and um, they were huge on this this tech stuff and I was you know, completely new to it so they taught me a lot and um, you know, we put motion capture on my body so we could see how fast pieces of my body were moving and turning and like what was deficient and what needed help um, and that's kind of led me to where I'm at today. What the um, you had mentioned that you're measuring you mentioned this the other day too, like the sort of the, you measure out amongst the elite and something. What is it? Yeah, uh, mainly bat speed. Bat speed. Um, okay. Average bat speed used to be seventy in the show, and now it's like seventy four. Okay. Um, just because these pitchers are throwing so fast, that's what the game's calling for. So everyone's you know obviously has to swing it faster. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can get away with a, with a slower bat speed, but uh, your your collision efficiency with the barrel on the ball is just not quite going to be there. I mean, you got to be really accurate with it then. You don't really have much room for error. Mm-hmm. I think, I've, you know, I mentioned to you, you got two friends in the spectrum where it's, you know, Nick Madrigal and, and Joey Gallo. And um, I think majority of people fall in the middle somewhere, obviously. But, you know, if you're going to be on towards the Nick Madrigal side, like, you got to be really accurate with your barrel and you probably can't swing, you know, a 34-inch bat. You're going to have to swing something smaller to be accurate. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the Joey Gallo side, like, you probably could get with, like, a 35-inch bat, you know, something heavy, mm-hmm. end-loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. Just What's your bat speed? So, so you uh, said the average is 74 now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm right at that, maybe slightly above. Okay. Um, I mean, every mile an hour matters. Like okay. it's, that's that's a huge thing. I know, like you know, over 74, 75. Like that's that's another like 10 feet but on the ball. But <laughs> doing all this stuff, you, you you've gone, you could see it progress. Yeah, yeah, every yeah, year. Yeah. I think in 2019, my average bat speed was like 67 or something. Oh, wow. was like, and yeah. I was swinging a 33 and a half inch bat, like this little toothpick that. I, I just didn't really know exactly what I was doing. Um, and then I started learning, like, okay, well, I can swing a heavier, longer bat faster and then train for that. So, like, your room for error just got huge, you know. So, you, know, you can miss it and clip some balls that are going to get over guys' heads, you know, go for a home run, stuff like that. So, what, um, What's your what bat size do you use now? Uh, I'll go. I mess around a lot with them. Uh, I'll go from like a 34 and a half sometimes down to a you know, I'll I'll go to a 33 and a half. I like to have it more end loaded though if it's a 33 and a half. Okay. It's gonna be a 34 and a half. I like it more balanced. Um, I usually sit between like a 34, 32, and a 34, 31. Sometimes a 34, 31 and okay. a half. Um, and I that's got gotten some, bigger over the last couple of years. Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Twenty, yeah, twenty nineteen. It was a thirty-three and a half, thirty and a half. Um, obviously, that's a drop three. So I'll go, you know, like I said, thirty-four, thirty-four and a half, drop two. Kind of depending on the pitcher. I like to have like kind of a golf bag of bats. Mm-hmm. Um, just like golf, you know. Obviously, you don't want to you don't <laughs> want to bring a driver into the into the bunker and try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's the same way with with baseball. You know, depending on the pitcher, what they're going to try to do. If mm-hmm. they got high spin rate, you know, I kind of want a more handle loaded bat. Yeah, something that's going to give me a little more barrel accuracy. But guy that's you know pretty straight down in the zone i'll go with a heavier bat something that's a little more end loaded a little longer you know be able to loft it if it's if it's lower in the zone so and and like you said you you've hit with power like the last few years but now you know listen we're dealing the here and the now right mm-hmm. so now it must be gratifying 
yeah, no, four home runs. You yeah, know? yeah. It's, it's it's what I train for though. You know, every every swing I take is for a home run in, in the cage. I don't I don't mess around with you know backside singles or anything like that. And if that happens in a game, great. You know, we'll take a hit, obviously. But mm -hmm. um, every swing I take on you know in BP and in, in the cage is, is for a home run. I'm trying to launch a ball every time. I, I don't really care. You know, it's, it's, it's it, which again, it's it's. it's Noteworthy because you're not a big guy, I right? Mean, like how how much do you weigh? 185, 185. Yeah, what are you like six there. feet tall? Yeah, six yeah, foot around the yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So you're not a big yeah. guy, but yeah. like the numbers yeah. don't lie, right? Yeah. Well, and as science tells us, I mean, the, the the mass of the human doesn't matter. It's it's the mass and speed of the bat. So you know, if you take you know JD Martinez and you know Nick Madrigal, you take two guys obviously opposite opposite ends of the spectrum. Put them in a vacuum, and you got you know they're swinging the same exact bat, and they got the same exact bat speed, and you know they hit the ball the same spot, everything everything equal. Um, it's going to have to be the same result, you know, mm -hmm. regardless of the human. So mm -hmm. that's what I I don't think people understand that it's you know if, if I can swing a bat just as fast as as you know the big boppers in the game, and, and I'm swinging a longer, heavier bat, like I'm going to actually hit it farther than them. Yeah. Um, but you know some of these guys are swinging at like 80 miles an hour, which is like, <laughs> who's the who's got the highest bat highest speed? bat speed? That's a good question. Um, Probably like Harper or somebody like that. I know okay. that they can get it up to like I've gotten it up to 80 miles an hour before, um, but like I said, I, I'll sit between like 73 and you know, 76 somewhere in there. Okay. And, you know, hopefully my bad swings are you know around 70. You know, still get just give give yourself an opportunity to get a hit with that. Right. Um, and then it matters too, where it's like I could I could go swing a 33 and a half extremely fast, but then you're like missing out on some of the mass. So right. like swinging 33 and a half at you know 78 miles an hour isn't really going to be better necessarily I could swing a 34 at you know 73 and there's more mass you know it's like mm -hmm. a, a truck crashing into the wall at 30 miles an hour is going to do more damage than you know a, a bike crashing into the wall sure. at you know 50 miles an hour yeah, right? yeah. that's kind of the concept and it's finding you know then, then where does it cross it like barrel accuracy and maximizing the contact it's like trying to find that and that point's different for everybody mm -hmm. um, that's kind of like what I've really fine-tuned over the last few years all right so Ryan Fitzgerald, A, did you know who he was before spring training? Absolutely not. Okay, there you go. I, Ryan Fitzgerald, that's someone that goes to like the local like dive bar. Did you hear, the, sto did you hear the story that I told about batting stance guy? Uh, the, no. With Ryan Fitzgerald. Which, so, with Ryan Fitzgerald? No. Yeah, so it was three, three years ago. Ryan Fitzgerald is a low-level minor leaguer, independent league guy. You are familiar with batting stance guy, of course. Probably. I am familiar. Yes. Uh, Shout out to your, uh, your Hall of Fame ballot. We're already researching the space station for next year. Uh, I was about to say, I'm hoping we're making progress there. Gar Rhinus, uh, batting stance guy, where he was at Red Sox camp, we're walking out, and Ryan Fitzgerald sees him, and he says, hey, batting stance guy. Someday you're going to do my batting stance. And, of course, Gar was like, oh, well, let's, let's see what it is. And so, like, Ryan Fitzgerald, like, gets in his batting stance. And so batting stance guy is like, well, if you really want to stand out, you got to do this and this and this and this. And, then, and at the end of it, basically, Ryan was like, he had a – it was like a convoluted combination of Gary Sheffield and Albert Pujols of whatever. But I just thought it was such a cool moment that like this kid is saying not say hey you know i'm gonna make it the major leagues someday you're gonna replicate like, my you're gonna do my batting stance isn't that cool 
Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I never had that mentality. So maybe that's, that's what separates me and Ryan Fitzgerald. Yeah. There you go. But it's the story of Cam. It, it, and we're gonna... I mean, he's been, he's been fun to watch from the minute he got into that box and the hair was flowing. You're rooting for the guy. Yes. Yeah. And then he hits like the 400 foot homer. And you're like, how did he do that? What's going on? It's just technique. I mean, how tall you said 185. How tall is he? Six feet. Six feet. Yeah. Why isn't he pitching? I mean, with those with those like saber metrics there, 185, six feet, talking about a string, a string being there. You should basically turn the mullet upside down and make it stand straight up. Then it would be 6'4". Six, 6'4"? Four. Six, four. As someone, as someone who is a short king, I, I know a thing or two about using the hair to get a little taller. Oh, really? So oh, look at you. Look at you. That's what you got to do when you're short. Uh. Yeah, I have the nice hair. You gotta take care of the teeth. That's how you. That's how you clean up. Oh well, I do neither. So, I would say this in closing: we have we're pouring one out for Ryan Fitzgerald. We we punctuated it. He's gonna have a great year. We'll re, we'll loop back with him. He's do we know where he's going? Uh, I would imagine Worcester, probably. Okay. Worcester. But um, and by the way, did I tell you the Alex our our adopted minor leaguer Alex Benellis? Yeah. How's he doing? He's doing excellent. Uh, he's embracing the member being a part of the family. Love it. And so I, what I did the other day, so the minor leaguers, they eat outside and they have to wait in line. So they have like the, they have uh, one of those green egg cooker things, you know, oh, yeah. those, are, those are big money. I don't oh, know if you've ever so looked into them. They have a guy cooking for them and they wait in line. So Chad, uh, was it? No, no, was it? Yeah, Chad Jennings and I were walking by past, and I look back, and I see the because they all have the T-shirts with the back of the the names on the back, and I see two guys standing next to each other. What are those two names? Is it Myers and uh Meyer and Vanellis? I Love said, it. Chad, you're gonna have to wait for me because I got some I got some shit to stir up inseparable those two so i walk up i say there you go guys and so while they're waiting in line we rehash the bet meyer said i offered to bet him i bet him uh uh, i'm not gonna say how much money it was but vanilla said i didn't bet him because i don't make that much money i don't make as much money as he does but the trash talk is still going um I tried to get them to come up to the booth. I'm hoping by next Saturday, our show next Saturday, that I can get them up there so they can have some real in-person trash talk. But the other part about this is I got to see both of them play up at Sarasota. Alex playing Benelli. together on the – like as in yeah. not scrimmaging against each Sox other. Game. The Red Sox game. Okay. Against the Orioles. And yep. Benella started, and he got a nice – Opposite field single against a tough lefty. Good for him. And uh, and Meyer played too. He didn't, he didn't do much. He ran first to third. He's fast, but had a quality at bat though. Oh, so you saw it on TV? I I saw it. Someone posted. Yeah. So the thing I said about Meyer that like is it does, might not make any sense, but to me, it's like he has the height of a superstar, like that six two and a half sweet spot of like the superstar shortstops it's a tough episode for short guys <laughs> well how tall are you i'm five nine five ten on a good day okay all right well you do not now, have- now you understand why why i 
I was attracted to, not attracted in, in that sense, but why I gravitated towards Pedroia. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Well, in, in, in the podcast world, you have the height of a superstar. There we go. That's what I like to hear. But a quick question. You know, you, you always hear guys talk about, like, the World Series starts at spring training. And I don't want to say, like, make a World Series prediction right now. But as far as the chemistry in camp, it, I mean, like, he's, a lot of these guys saw each other last year. Is, yeah. no, listen, do you guys feel good about the season? Here, yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, it, that, it's, that's whatever. You can say that. Yeah. It's fine. It's always good for the World Series DVD. It, it sure is. Uh, although like, Johnny Gomes was great about this. Johnny Gomes basically said we won the World Series on opening day at Yankee Stadium when he, he, when he scored from second on a wild pitch. So, All right. I mean, that's fair. That's a good way to start off the season. That's how you know it's going to be good. Listen, I mean, there's, there was that element of uh, pissing on your territory, for lack of a better term, saying we're going to be good. And, and for that 2013 team, that was important. So with this team, I'll say this, is that I do – so 2018 with the new manager, it was definitely like the something-to-prove team. Their talent, but definitely a something-to-prove team. The 2019 team was our shit doesn't stink team, which was not a good thing. No, no, and so because it did stink. Well, and they got waxed in in Seattle and Oakland. They won't say that, but I'm just telling you the vibe that I got. 2020 was we're not starting until the end of July team, and we're going to trade for Nick Pavetta. Um, 2021 was going back to sort of 2018, which was we have something to prove. Now, there is still a little bit of that element here, but here's what I like about this team is that they have, they have a lot of 30-somethings or close to 30-somethings, so they're secure in themselves. And this is a subtle thing for me where, you know, they're not worried about, you know, establishing themselves. Like, if you go down the starting rotation, it's pretty, like, amazing how you have – if you're going down the lockers – you have Sale, you have Hill, you have uh, Avaldi, you have Pavetta, you have Paxton, you have Watt, yep. right? Like 30-somethings. In, in Hill's case, 40-somethings. But there's like the element of we don't have any, you know, we're just here to win. We know how to get ourselves ready. And then you have, you know, the other side with the position players. And those guys are older, like you, and you have the young guys, but the young guys are following the old guys. Like they're, they're not, you need guys who are going to be able to show like, this is the path and you don't, you know, you don't have to be insecure about it. It it does remind me a little bit of the 2013 team in that way. So there you go. I like to hear that. I love to hear that. Well, just like any, anything that's going to like ignite the fan base a little bit and be like, Hey, this is going to be another season like last well, year, or maybe not like last year, but as far as it's, it's going to be a fun season to like pay yeah, attention to be honest. Like, I don't know what Trevor story is going to be, but the idea of Trevor story absolutely re rejuvenated or um, like gave that, that whole clubhouse. Like, Oh, here we go. Like we're, and the fact that he's a good guy, you know, everyone says he's a good guy. He goes about things the right way. So, and then, and I really hope Derek Holland makes the team. Derek Holland, by the way, who's on the podcast tomorrow. I don't know. If Ooh, you know that. Another tease. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you announced that on the, on the show on Saturday. Did you? 
No, I don't, I don't have to announce it every time. There's too much stuff to announce. It's true. You got you got a lot of stuff lined up. I know that. Here we go. This is what we got going on. Ready? Is this the official drop of the week? What? No, no. The, the official lineup? Yeah. This is like the Coachella. Yeah, yeah. So don't hold me to it. Okay. But this is what I think. Tentative schedule for the next few days. Okay? This one, which was awesome. You have Holland, who I've already talked to. And maybe we'll integrate some other stuff in it. Maybe like okay. a little Kike tomorrow, too. A little Kike talk? Oh, well, no, here's what we'll do. I can do Kike. I did the Kike. We'll do Holland and maybe a little okay. Valdi tomorrow because of Valdi's throwing. I can I can talk to him a little bit. So we'll do like a little Holland of Valdi tomorrow. Then my guy, Matt Strom, is committed for Tuesday. I'm very Love it. I feel like this Love guy it. is going to be great. Holland, outstanding. Awesome. Anyone who wears like back-to-back Jackie Moon basketball jerseys followed by Looney Tunes, Michael Jordan basketball jersey, boom, boom, there you go. And been kicked out of a Counting Crows concert. So been kicked uh, out of a Counting Crows concert? Whoa, 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 whoa. How do you get kicked out of a Counting Crows concert? That's like... You'll have to listen. Do I have to wait on that? Yeah. Oh. So, Holland tomorrow... Matt Strom on Tuesday. And I'm very so there is one player that I used to do this with Mookie Betts. I say, Mookie, I'm only gonna ask you one, one day, one podcast, right? That's it. Because you you can't get greedy, right? Yeah. Yep. And I would get Mookie once a year for almost exactly 27 minutes, right? And it was always great. And to get some guy, that was in, usually in the middle of the season. And so to get someone locked. So that's in, tough for 27 straight 27 minutes. Just minutes, to... Tell me someone else who got Mookie talking for 27 minutes. I don't and know, David Ortiz? Yes, well, okay. That's unrecorded, but. Yes, that's unrecorded. Or, or talking about baseball for 27 minutes. There you go. So anyway, there's a player on this team who you could probably guess who I said, listen, this is it. I'm just going to ask you this one time. And this is the week to do it. Because once you get in the season, you're running around. This yeah. is the week to do it. And you know what we'll do? Like, you know, like, we don't even have to do it here. We'll do it at Starbucks. Okay? There's this two guys just cutting, Talk and it up, shop. cutting it up over a venti emperor's cloud. Okay? As it should be in the world. So that's coming. I, I hope to. That might be taped on Tuesday as well. So there's a lot going on. So, a lot going on, which we love to hear. Yeah. I mean, ba- baseball, I like baseball is not a fit. People say baseball's back. I was one of those people that tweeted baseball was back when the lockout ended. I don't think baseball's back until like this last week of spring training. Cause then you get to really see the lineups. You get to see how the season's going to start to shape up to be. And then you get like the whole, like, all right, opening day in three days, two days, one day, opening days here. Yeah. So I, This is the exciting part of the year. And then opening day hits and you have about like, I don't know, 15 games of 50-degree baseball, and you kind of remember that season starts a little early. Well, we're, well, there's no fighter launching pad than this, the podcast. Um, I'm, I'm excited, Rob. McFarlane! McFarlane! McFarlane.